This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always learning how to create better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealth Ability Network. So I love the CPA profession. I'm very proud to be able to tell people that I'm a CPA. The challenge is being a CPA is not enough when it comes to building a practice. It's not enough to just tell people, I'm a CPA, well, I'm a CPA, so therefore you should come to me. It doesn't work that way anymore. The big firms are spending millions and millions of dollars to attract in the entrepreneur client, which is the same client small practices like yours and mine are trying to attract. So the question is, what do we do to distinguish ourselves and actually get ourselves out there in the market so that we're getting the right clients and the right staff for us? Because we're not just competing for clients. We are competing for staff. And sometimes the competition for staff is even harder than the competition for clients. The big firms have money. They can, they, they, my experience is they've been throwing money at staff. I've seen staff leave because they get so much money thrown at them by the big firms. And so it's, it's just become hard to compete. So what do we do? Well, today what we're going to do is look at the good news. The good news is that as a small CPA firm, we actually have some advantages. We get to choose who we are. We get to choose what we do. We get to choose who we hang out with. What that means is, is that you can learn how to distinguish yourself and your practice. You can do it. We have done it in our practice and you can do it in yours. In order to do that, you have to be unique. You have to be totally authentic and totally you. If you think about it, I like to compare CPA firms to restaurants. When you look at the, these big firms, what you're looking at is the cheesecake factory of the CPA business right? These people have big menus. You can order just about anything and you know it's going to be mediocre, but you know it's going to be at a good price. And that's pretty much what defines the firms between, frankly, 50 CPAs and big four. Pretty much everybody in between, and I know you're out there and you want to send me hate mail, go for it. That's the reality. That's my experience is that the big firms, what they've done is, is they've aggregated a bunch of small CPA firms and they have no idea who they are. And so they don't really have a consistent, they don't have a consistent brand. I, I can't figure out who they are and they all seem the same to me. And if, if I can't figure out who they are and I'm a CPA and I've been in this business for 35 plus years, I, I don't know how a, a client's going to be able to understand that. Clients don't understand what we do in the first place. So understanding who we want to have in our firm, both as staff and as clients, really comes down to who we want to be. 
It's really, what are we looking for? And really, what do we want to have? What kind of environment do we want to have? So remember the old adage that a niche will make you rich. A niche will make you rich. Doing all things for all people never served anybody. And the challenge with most CPAs is most CPAs have no idea who they are. They decided that they could make more money if they bought their own practice. And so they went out and bought a small practice. And then they're like, okay, I'm going to do tax returns. I'm, I'm going to do bookkeeping. I'm going to do, you know, I may do some compilations. I may do some reviews. I'm going, I'm just going to do this kind of stuff. And the clients will just come to me. And we do a good job. Some clients will. They will actually come to us just because word of mouth, right? If we want to build something significant, though, if we really want to build a future for ourselves and our clients and our staff, we have to behave differently. We have to look at ourselves and decide who do we want to be. And I know that's a little, sounds a little woo-woo and, you know, new age, all that kind of stuff. The reality is, though, is that people, the people who hang out with us are going to hang out with us because they want to hang out with us. And if they don't want to hang out with us, they won't. Now, I find most CPAs to be scared to death of losing a client and terrible at attracting clients. And I really believe that the problem is, is that, they, that, that most CPAs have no idea who they want to be. Okay, it's like, oh, well, I want this, this practice. But who do you want to be? How do you want to be seen in the marketplace? How do you want to be seen by your neighbor? How do you want to be seen by your spouse? Okay, most of all, how do you want to be seen by yourself? When you look in the mirror, who is this person, right? What, what are we doing in this world? And so we have to be really, really clear to ourselves, that's, that's really step number one, is understanding ourselves and who we want to be. Who, who do we want people to see us as? And what do we want to be doing? Because we're in charge. We have our own CPA firm. We get to choose. We cannot abdicate that responsibility to somebody else. I, I've made that mistake before. Build a firm, turn it over to somebody, let them run it, and pretty soon it was their firm, not mine. And it was their culture, not mine. Now, the clients that came in came in with me, and so the, the clients were with me at the same time that the, the staff and everybody else were really with somebody else. And so it just, frankly, you know, to be perfectly honest, we had a tough time retaining staff, and I think that's why, okay? And when you have a tough time retaining staff, what also happens? You have a tough time retaining clients. So... When I started my new CPA firm a couple of years ago, I decided to take a very different approach. We are going to be very specific about who we serve, and we're going to be very specific about who we have on our team. Now, the first place I started, and I think this is step number one, is actually fairly simple. The question is, who do you want to hang out with? Who is it that you want to spend your days with, either when it comes to clients or when it comes to staff? We have, a, um, we have this new CPA network, some of you know. And my sales team came to me and said, how do we determine who's qualified to be in the network? And I said, well, it's actually pretty simple. You just ask yourself, do you want to hang out with them? And if you want to hang out with them, then I like hanging out with you, so therefore I will probably want to hang out with them. 
And if you and I want to hang out with them, then we're probably good. Because when we're with those people that we really like to be with, the reason is, is because we share not just common interests, but common energy. So if you like being around people who are just really laid back and kind of beach bums, kind of like that, that's great. That's who you're going to attract and that's who you should attract. Okay. If you're a hard driver, okay, we're going to, we're going to work hard and we're going to, we're going to push things and that's who you're going to attract. Now you may convince people to come in who aren't like that, but they won't last very long. Okay. If you're driving hard and you're pushing hard and you're working long hours and you want everybody else to do that, you better tell them up front. This is what I mean by being transparent. One of the challenges we have because of fear, okay, because we're afraid of who we are. That's really what it comes down to. We're afraid of who we are. Let's start by being honest with ourselves about who we are, what our weaknesses are, what our strengths are, and what we like and what we don't like. And what I've learned the hard way, okay, because I've not always been like this. I've just done a lot of personal development work over the last 10 to 15 years. And what I've learned is that the more authentic I am, the better my energy is, and the happier I'm going to be because I'm naturally going to attract people. I'm only, people aren't going to want to be there. If I'm very transparent with them, this is what I'm looking for and this is what I want and I, I need to know. And, and then you can start feeling, you open the door for them to be transparent to you. It's, it's critical. If you're not transparent with yourself and you're not transparent with others, then how are you ever going to be transparent? How, how are you ever going to expect a recruit to be transparent with you? You're putting on a show, so they're going to put on a show. And that's never going to work. So just be yourself, okay? Be polite. If you're not a polite person, you probably should be yourself anyway. Because if you want rude people around you, then you should, then that's fine. I have make no judgment about who you want around yourself. Except for this. Have people around yourself that know who you are, that truly know who you are, and accept who you are and like who you are and and have some similar attributes. You know, people who, you know, are going to look at life somewhat similarly. Okay, so I've been through a lot of staff over the years. I mean, <laughs> more than I care to admit. All right. I've actually started probably 100 CPA firms uh, launching other people into the CPA world. And some of that I'm very proud of. And some of that I'm... I miss, I miss some of those people because I would have liked them to stay with me, but I, I wasn't transparent. I wasn't open and honest. What, you know what? This is who we are. This is what we're going to be. Do you want to be here? Okay. One of the, one of the um, great lessons I learned from a sales uh, trainer years and years ago is to go into every meeting with a prospect with the idea, I don't need your business. Now, a recruit is a prospect. We think we don't sell, but every time we recruit, we're selling. Okay? Every time we meet with a potential new client, we are selling. Frankly, anytime we have a conversation, we are selling. So what that means is that selling is just, is just an education process. We're not, we don't need to push anything on anybody. All we need to do is say, look, this is what we're looking for. This is who we are. Does it fit? Does this fit? What, what are you looking for? And who are you? And let's see if we have a fit together. 
And that's really all we're doing. So step number one is to really understand who you are and who you want to hang out with. That is absolutely step number one. Step number two is to consider the type of environment you want. Okay, do you want an environment, for example, I have a client that the environment is they work 35 hours a week and they have a lot of fun while they work and they frankly don't work very hard. And guess what? The employees love it there. Now, I don't know how productive they are, but that's an environment. Okay, and that is, and they're very consistent in their environment. Very, very consistent. Nobody in that office works more than 35 hours a week. That's, that's the culture that they've established. Now, there are other cultures I know. I, I, I knew a, a CPA years ago, a very, very well-respected CPA, that he worked 70 to 80 hours a week every week. And he expected his staff to do so. And so he turned over staff about every year to 18 months. He was okay with that because he wanted to get the work out of them while he had them. That was his environment. That's who he was. I think he knew who he was. Now, would I ever want to be in that environment? No, I wouldn't because that's not me. On the other hand, I don't want to be in the 35-hour-a-week environment either. Okay, I work hard and I expect other people to work hard toward the common goal though. So I don't want them to work hard for me. The environment I want is I want an environment where people love coming to work because they're doing what makes them happy. They're, they're in an environment that this is the environment they want. They want to be productive. They want to learn. One of the uh, requirements for being, being in our network, I said the main requirement is do we want to hang out with you? One of the things that makes us decide whether we want to hang out with you is if you're willing to learn. Now, if you're on this podcast, my guess is you're willing to learn. Most people, most CPAs, Stop learning the minute they leave college. They go, I'm done. I have to get my continuing ed, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to get online and I'm going to do a four-hour course and it's going to take me 45 minutes because I just want to get it done. I just, I, I know I have to get that, that 80 hours every two years and so I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get out of the way. That's all I want. And, and they really don't want to learn. They just want to do a job over and over again. And that's why we get some, the, the, the type of advice that I actually hear all the time still. I'll hear people still telling me, still tell me, it's 2019. And they're still telling me that their accountant told them that a home office deduction was a red flag to the IRS. Well, yeah, if you're using a Schedule C or a Schedule E or a Schedule F, a home office, may be considered a red flag to the IRS, but IRS, but if you're using an S Corp or a partnership or a C Corp or some entity that makes so much more sense to use, there's no red flag at all to having a home office because there's nowhere to report it. It's just office expense. It's a, it's a reimbursement. It's what the IRS says to do, right? They say this is what you have to do is you have to reimburse it. There's no form for home office in a partnership. There's no form for home office in, a, in, in an S corporation or a C corporation for that matter. So it's no longer, if you're doing things right, it's no longer a red flag, except in very unusual situations. So why do I keep hearing that? that that's, it's been that way for years. 
at least 10 years, really it goes back to 1997 when we had the big law change in home offices. That's over 20 years ago and we're still getting that and I'm still hearing people say that. Well, why? Because people stopped learning. They graduated from college in 1990 or 1995 or 1985 and that's what they learned when they were starting and so therefore that's the way it is because they stopped learning at that point. So in our environment, what we're looking for is people who can't wait to learn. They are hungry to learn because what the, one of the most important things I learned in college and graduate school from Dr. Sally Jones is that the more you learn, the more you know about the tax law, the more you realize you don't know and that there's always more to learn. And I have an insatiable hunger to learn more to understand more, to do more, to be able to, to, to be more, frankly. And I only want staff around me who want the same thing. Now, I have decided for me that I want clients around me who want the same thing. So not just anybody gets to be a client. There are rules that they have to follow there, there are things that we let them know ahead of time. This is how we operate. We do not operate like your typical CPA firm. We are not a reactionary CPA. We don't do that. I call clients on a regular basis saying, what, what's going on here? What's going on there? What are we doing here? What are we doing next? I do not expect clients to call me. I always want the next meeting set up with my clients. Okay, now does that, that means that I can't have 2,000 clients that I'm personally responsible for, okay? I can have maybe 30 or 40, that's it, that I'm personally responsible for. Now, I have a partner who has clients that she's responsible for, and we'll have staff who have clients that they're responsible for, and that's fine, okay? There are different types of clients. All clients have something in common, though. In our office, a client comes in, they must be willing to participate in the planning process, they must be they must be willing to take the time to to work on their tax plan, on their tax strategy. They must be willing to take the time to help to actually participate in building their wealth. So we don't take on clients. For example, if you if, if somebody comes to us and they just want us to attach, we don't take that on. Now that's us. I'm not saying that's you, and I'm not suggesting it should be you. What I'm suggesting is I'm giving you, just want to give you an example of what we do that makes us unique in the marketplace, okay? I think that there is room for all the CPAs that are in the marketplace if everyone is unique because we're going to attract different people. The clients that are, are attracted to, to us are going to be very different, frankly, we have, um, my wife is a CPA and she has her own CPA practice. The clients that are attracted to her are quite different than the clients attracted to us, to, to my CPA firm. Well, my wife and I are different. We have different skill sets. We have different mindsets, okay? We both are really big about clients participating Okay, so there are some things we have in common and we're very and, and we're very big on learning and we talk about taxes all the time. We kind of are a little nutty, nutty that way. Um, pretty nerdy, frankly. Her clients, I, I can tell you, she's very consistent. Her clients love her because, because they want what she delivers. 
she looks at the tax law as a puzzle. She looks like a ta at a tax return as a puzzle, and she likes putting the puzzle together, and she wants to make sure all the pieces fit, and she's very well organized. When, when she, <laughs> she went through an, a, a client of hers, uh, she handled a, an IRS audit for, with, a, with a client of hers um, a few years ago, and <laughs> the, the IRS agent kept asking for information. She kept providing it because, A, she made sure that her client had maintained all the information, and then she was able to put it together in a very um, organized book. In fact, she had four, four three-inch loose-leaf binders that went to the IRS, okay? Ended up being the re reason that the supervisor in that audit dismissed the audit, okay? Because she provided all the information, and all the, all the agent was looking for was for her to trip up. Well, there was no tripping up because she's so well-organized. That's how she's successful handling an IRS audit. That's who she is. I would handle an IRS audit quite differently than that, okay? Now, she's going to be successful with an IRS audit, and I'm going to be successful with an IRS audit for very different reasons. I have a very different approach to an IRS auditor. In the end, they're going to get the information. In the end, we're going to get a similar result. We're just going to go at it different ways because the clients who come to us are the ones who go, okay, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for this type of a CPA firm. I'm looking for this level of creativity. We, we, we're, very, we're very creative. Creative meaning that we take the laws that are in existence and use them to the best benefit of the client in an appropriate way within the lines of the tax law. Okay, we don't do anything outside the lines. We don't have to do anything outside the lines. So that's part of the environment we want, okay, is we want clients that want to fit in that environment. And we have to have staff who were willing to talk to clients because I can't talk to all the clients all the time. I, I'm not good with details. I'm not. I'm terrible with details. Where my wife's phenomenal with details, I'm terrible with details. So I have staff, they have to be. They might have to be good at details, and they're communicating with, with, with clients. So there's, there's got to be an environment that we establish, whatever that is. You decide, but that's step two. You must decide what type of environment you want, and then you have to decide what you stand for. Do you stand for, we are accurate in all things? Do you stand for, we're easy to get along with? Do you stand for, we are proactive in everything we do? Do you stand for we're creative in what we do? Do you, do you stand for we're, we're simply honest in everything we do and we're going to be by the, by the book in everything we do? It doesn't matter who you are as long as you know who you are, your staff knows who you are, and your clients know who you are. Because then once you establish that, the market will know who you are. It's like my, <laughs> my wife, yesterday she's talking to me and she goes that this um, prospect that she knew he's actually fairly well-known in our town and because um, she deals with a lot of well-known people. And he came to her and he talked to her a year ago and he said, oh, I'm go okay with the CPA I'm, I'm, I'm with and so forth. And he came to her yesterday and he said, so when people ask me about my CPA, I go, well, they're okay. When I ask other people about their CPA, they say, I love her. I love my CPA. And all of those people, you're the CPA. That's what he's telling my wife. You're the CPA. Okay. They love you. I want what they have. 
so she had a she has a very well defined brand. She's small. She's a small little little practice. She has two employees, and yet her clients love her and people who know who they, they and her clients are always the ones feeding her practice because they know that she will take care of them and they'll say this is this is what I want. Now she's very clear. This is what I expect. This is what goes on. So she's clear on what she stands for. Number 4, and my wife's very good at this, is we have to establish the rules that will enforce the first three things. We have to establish rules that enforce the in, the environment that we that we want to be around. So for example, one of our rules in our CPA firm is we always respond to any communication from anybody, client, IRS, team member, vendor, anybody, within one business day. Always. That is a hard and fast rule. Okay? There are no exceptions to that rule. Now, the response may be, can I get back to you in three days? That's an acceptable response. But that's part of the rules that we have for our environment. We are always learning. We have rules about how much continuing ed, and it's, by the way, not the minimum, Okay, how much continuing ed we get every year. We have rules about that. So establishing the rules to maintain that environment and maintain what you stand for are critical and you must enforce the rules. If you're lackadaisical about it, here's the thing that I've learned. If we don't set the expectations, the other people that we're communicating with will set the expectations for us. But we may not even know what those expectations are. So that's where we have a tough time with a client. We might have an expectation that they're going to pay our fee no matter what it is. Their expectation may be that we're going to keep our fees as low as possible and that we're going to tell them what the fee is before we do the work. But that may not be our expectation. Our expectation is, well, I'll tell you what the fee is after I've done the work because how am I going to know what the fee is going to be until after I've done the work? Okay, so there's a mismatch of expectations. So you'd better line up your expectations and you establish the expectations. If you tell the client, look, here's how we work. We work on an hourly basis, okay? And we charge X dollars per hour by the staff. And frankly, I have no idea how much it's going to be. And I'll tell you at the end. And if the client's okay with it, then the client's okay with it. Now, I think clients tend not to like that. I'm just saying that establish the expectations, we establish an expectation that the client will pay for the return before we file it. We will not file it without them paying for it. Well, if you don't establish that expectation, they may not they may hold off paying you for 6 months. Okay? Some some of our listeners out there have huge accounts receivable. I know you do. You know you do. We actually have no accounts receivable because for much of our work we charge up front. We set that expectation so the clients know. So they're fine. Okay, they know. They can say, no, I don't want to work with somebody who charges up front. That's fine too. Because that is our rule. You have to abide. You have to abide by your rules. That's the number one. Number one rule is you must abide by your own rules. You don't get to make exceptions like that. You may have one or two. Obviously, there's always exceptions to prove the rule, so to speak. At the same time, You've got to be almost militant about your rules. And there are certain rules that you can't be flexible on. Step five, think about how you would describe your firm. 
if somebody were to ask you five years from now, tell me about your firm, how would you hope to be able to describe it? If somebody were to ask you five years from now, describe your CPA firm, how would you hope to describe it? I would suggest that you describe it that way now, and that is your target. And then everything that you're working on, establishing who you hang out with, what type of environment you want, who you stand for, what the rules are, all of those things are geared towards your firm five years from now. This is how I want people to describe our firm. This is what I want people to say about our firm. This is what I want clients to say about our firm. This is what I want a former employee to say about our firm. You're going to have former employees. Okay, not everybody's going to stay with you because it turns out their life changes or it's not, it, it turns out to not be the good fit that you both thought it was. How are they going to describe your firm? As long as they describe your firm accurately and it's what you want that firm to, how that firm to be described, that's good. You want an accurate description. You don't want to, to pr just go, oh, wow, they're just the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. I just don't want to work for the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, you don't need that. But if they can describe your firm exactly the way you see it, then that means you're being transparent and you're being clear with your message and you're being consistent with your message. You're being consistent with your rules. Because what happens is when we, when we do this, when we do these five things, and I suggest absolutely, you're going to want to listen to this program over and over and over again. Go back to these five rules. Take the time to work on your business instead of constantly working in your business. I know that's an old saying. It's a little trite. And you go, well, what the heck does that mean? Well, this is what it means. It means doing this type, of, this type of an analysis. Describe your firm five years from now. How would your former employees describe your firm five years from now? How would your former clients describe your firm five years from now? I like, I like thinking about how former people talk about it because I want my former clients to, me by, to be my biggest cheerleaders. I want my former employees to be my biggest cheerleaders. It didn't work for them. It wasn't right for them. Man, they, it, it's absolutely this, 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 and this, exactly how I would hope to describe it. So do that, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to end up with much better clients because what makes a good client is a client that you want to hang out with, a client that behaves the way you would like them to behave. So you establish all these things, you end up with better clients. When you have better clients, you end up with better staff, which makes for a better practice. And when you have a better practice, you have a better life. See you next time. You've been listening to the Wealth Ability for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>